Hello everyone and welcome to our channel of KLP Entertainment. Live from our newsroom I'm Beatrix Gemma. Here's our full review on Bullet Train. Here are plenty of big, dumb action movies that can deliver thrills without exactly taxing the brain. And then there are films that are so thunderously stupid they bypass guilty pleasure status and end up as a danger to themselves and all around them. Bullet Train falls into the latter camp. It's so imbecilic, you wouldn't trust it to cross the road unsupervised, let alone negotiate Japan's Shinkansen high-speed rail network. The premise, adapted from Kuro Isaka's 2010 novel, is simple, Brad Pitt plays a privately contracted operative, codenamed Ladybug, who is hired by unknown clients to execute various shady missions. These could involve assassinations, but since his re-entering the murky mercenary waters after a period of soul-searching and therapy, his first gig back is theoretically an easy one. He just has to steal a silver briefcase on a bullet train heading to Kyoto. But Ladybug is cursed with appalling luck. And it turns out that the whole train is packed with hired killers, extravagantly armed with guns, swords, grudges and a selection of toxins, all of whom seem intent on knifing each other in the face. Key among the cast are a British duo with a near-fraternal bond, Tangerine, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, and Lemon, Brian Tyree Henry. Taylor Johnson is a sharp-suited geezer who looks, like so much in this brash, hollow film, as though he could have been transplanted from Matthew Vaughn's obnoxious Kingsman series. Henry, meanwhile, is lumbered with a thankless idiot savant role. Lemon is obsessed with, I kid you not, the children's book series Thomas the Tank Engine, and claims that it provides a blueprint by which to read a person's portraits. Thus a Henry is essentially decent, but a Diesel is nefarious and slippery. Predictably, the cast of Bullet Train skews towards the Diesel end of the spectrum. Also on board is a schoolgirl who goes by the name of Prince, Joey King, who may be the innocent bystander she claims to be. But as previous Japan set action movies, notably Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill, Volume 1, have taught us, schoolgirls are rarely to be trusted. She's the only female character of note, it comes to something when a disposable plastic water bottle gets more of a backstory than the other women in the film. Monumentally dull-witted as it is, it's not only the cloddish plotting that sends this picture to the dunce's corner. Other equally lunkish movies are redeemed by their action sequences. And director David Leach, the man behind high-octane stabathons such as Atomic Blonde, certainly knows his way around a fight sequence. But the film's gimmick, the train setting, is also a problem. An inventive close-quarters battle on public transport can be a thing of real beauty, just look at the bus sequences in Nobody and Shonkai and The Legend of the Ten Rings for two recent examples. But if all the combat choreography is contained within the metal tube of a train carriage, it soon starts to get a little repetitive, no matter how many samurai swords and venomous snakes you throw into the mix. But there's a further issue the tone. Bullet Train is infuriatingly pleased with itself. And ground zero for this implosion of self-satisfaction is Pitt. There's a school of thought that argues that Pitt is the film's saving grace. Certainly, he's one of the more likable elements. He plays his character like an affable golden retriever that has swallowed a self-help manual, sporadically coughing up a semi-masticated personal growth tip but he's also, in many ways, culpable for this mess. The Pitt celebrity is the freight that gave the project its momentum in the first place, 
his involvement is presumably the reason that nobody demanded a rewrite, or at the very least a tighter edit, to slam on the emergency brakes and avert the inevitable disaster. The bullet train from Tokyo to Kyoto takes about 2 hours and 15 minutes, just the right amount of time to pull off a cartoonishly over-the-top action movie, in which half a dozen assassins shoot, stab and otherwise perforate each other's pretty little faces in pursuit of a briefcase stuffed with cash. It's a high-stakes game of hot potato, choreographed and executed by atomic blonde director David Leach, in which a self-deprecating Brad Pitt wears a bucket hat and oversized specs. Brian Tyree Henry and Aaron Taylor Johnson play bickering twin hit Men Lemon and Tangerine, and the princess wedding crasher Joey King, known here as the prince, is a cunning killer who can fake cry on command. These quirky characters, and a handful of others, with names like The Hornet, Zazie Beats, and The Wolf, Benito A. Martinez Ocasio, aka Bad Bunny, are identified by giant on-screen labels superimposed over their flash-frozen mugs, the way Martin Scorsese or Guy Ritchie sometimes intro their ensembles. Adapting the pulp Kotaro Isaka novel Maria Beetle for a mostly Western cast, Leach and screenwriter Zach Olkowicz make each of these characters twice as eccentric as necessary, lest audiences' attention wane for an instant. Maria, as voiced by Sandra Bullock, is the bug in Pitt's ear, guiding the newly non-violent tough guy. This anger management joke recently featured in The Hitman's Bodyguard as well, through what's supposed to be the sinkiest job of his career. Board the bullet train in Tokyo, grab the MacGuffin and step off at the next stop. Chaching goes the choo-choo. Except Ladybug, as Pitt's character is dubbed, is hella unlucky, and there appear to be more murderers crammed together here than Agatha Christie could fit on the Orient Express. Meanwhile, innocent bystanders are at a minimum. There's a busybody woman who keeps shushing Ladybug and Lemon when their fist fighting gets too disruptive, but after a few stops, practically the only passengers who remain aboard are ones who would kill for that briefcase. There's also an incredibly poisonous boomslang snake, whose venom takes effect in 30 seconds, making victims bleed from their eyes, like poor Logan Lerman, the first character to bite it, serving out the rest of the film in floppercorpsed weekend at Bernie's mode. The movie's strategy is to keep throwing deadly obstacles at Pitt's character, who gets his hands on the bulletproof Tumi fairly easily early on. Ladybug's remarkably good at improvising his way out of trouble even when the movie literally goes off the rails at the end. Setting all this mayhem on a train wasn't Leach's idea, though the stuntman turned director makes the most of that limitation, staging visually interesting set pieces in different cars. Ladybug and the wolf have a knife fight in the bar area. Later, he and Tangerine smash up the kitchen. There's some funny stuff that happens in a neon-lit segment of the train involving the mascot for a local kid's show, who keeps getting punched in the face. Even the lavatories are fair game. The fight scenes feel relatively original, which is impressive unto itself, considering how many other creative filmmakers are trying to distinguish themselves in the genre. Leach tends to approach these standoffs the way Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire once did their dance numbers, the violence needn't be taken literally, which is tough at times, considering how brutal the bloodshed can be, but rather appreciated mostly for their choreography and capacity to surprise. Still, there's something callous about how casually Leach takes human life. Bullet Train Representatives one of the first and most ambitious pandemic-made blockbusters to be released, 
demonstrating that Leach and company felt confident enough the world would go back to normal that they could have the prince push a six-year-old off a roof just to lure the kid's father, Andrew Koji, by far the film's weakest link, onto the train. King's character is a real piece of work, wearing a black bob and pink schoolgirl-style getup. She's a heartless manipulator, frequently posing as an innocent victim to ensnare her prey. Eventually, Bullet Train reveals that behind this in no way coincidental roundup of assassins was an elaborate plan by fearsome underworld boss the White Death, Michael Shannon, to avenge the death of his wife. But he's not the only one who lost a loved one, as Hiroyuki Sanada's samurai like the elder demonstrates when he boards a stop or two before Kyoto. The geographical logic of Bullet Train doesn't make much sense, but then, the movie looks as like was produced without the principles so much as stepping foot in Japan. And why not? It's essentially a live-action cartoon, with high-profile cameos sprinkled in for added laughs. Stylistically, Leech is trying his darndest to channel the likes of Tarantino and Ritchie, even if the dialogue and mock British accents aren't nearly strong enough to earn such comparisons. Tangerine and Lemon are likable characters, though the latter is constantly going on about how everything he learned about people comes from Thomas the Tank Engine, which explains a lot about how reductive the movie's understanding of human nature is. Similarly, Ladybug is always quoting trite self-help aphorisms, which invariably get a laugh. This may be a fun enough ride, but such punchlines drive home that neither the characters nor the film they inhabit are particularly deep. Quite the opposite, in fact. As Calvin and Hobbes so aptly put it, their train of thought is still boarding at the station. Over all this fun and weirdly comedy film is worth a look-see. Please let us know what you think. Will you see this film on Netflix? Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our channel of KLP Entertainment. That will do it for us live at our newsroom. I'm Beatrix Gemma live from Newsbreaking.
Thanks for watching. I hope you got a lot from it. 